What I've learned and what fascinates me is once again, as I travel around and as I speak to people, I hear this. Tim, you know, gosh, your message resonates with us. Your message of using words to create deeper human connections really resonates with our industry because our industry is such a relationship business. And I hear that all the time. It's such a relationship business. And I always kind of smack myself in the forehead and say, those words are redundant. You do not need the word relationship if you have the word business. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast, featuring the top voices in sales and marketing. Join hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick as they discuss the best tips and strategies they are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here are your hosts, Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick. Hey, welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bill McCormick. I'm Bryn Tillman. So Bryn, who's joining us today? I'm so excited to have our next guest, Tim David. He was introduced to me through one of our favorite people, David Newman. Uh, and what I learned in a, a brief conversation around how the magic of words can absolutely be influential, I thought, man, our audience should learn from David, uh, from Tim David. So Tim, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Bryn. Thank you, Bill. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to, uh, to talk and share some of these strategies that uh, that I've been able to use and have been able to teach uh, people to use and implement very, very quickly for very quick results. So just share with everyone just a little bit about you got a couple of books in the background there and kind of your background. I do. Yeah, yeah I started out as a magician, obviously, because, you know, my father was, a, a, excuse me, my, my older brother became a sound engineer. My mother was an accountant. My father designed nuclear submarines for the Navy. So naturally, my career path was magician, uh, which they loved. They loved that so much. <laughs> it was like, you know, coming out so proud and, of our son, right? What I, well, they are now that's, that's the good news. They're my biggest fans now. Um, but I'll tell you, there was a lot that I learned by being a magician. It is an amazing laboratory, the stage when you're standing on stage and interacting with a live audience. And, and I learned that subtle shifts in my scripting, subtle changes, sometimes even one word, sometimes even one letter of one word would increase or decrease the reaction that I got in a very predictable way from audiences. And I was able to test this and travel around the country. I've been to you know 48 states and a bunch of different countries and traveled all around performing uh, my, my magic and mind reading show uh, and, and comedy. And we had a great time, but I also was able to figure out the importance of the impact of words on the human brain. And that set me on a path towards writing these books. Uh, Penguin Random House, the biggest publisher in the world, picked up magic words, and uh, we've been off to the races ever since. Amazing. Well, so as we get started, the first question we ask all of our guests, we're going to ask you now, Tim, what does making sales social mean to you? Gosh, I love this question. You know, since becoming a speaker and author and sort of leaving the world of magic behind and switching gears towards teaching people how to use what I learned from the stage and from my experience running a business and, and uh, again, writing and researching and interviewing uh, uh, psychological experts and neuroscientists and all kinds of fun stuff. What I've learned and what fascinates me is once again, as I travel around and as I speak to people, I hear this. 
Tim, you know, gosh, your message resonates with us. Your message of using words to create deeper human connections really resonates with our industry because our industry is such a relationship business. And I hear that all the time. It's such a relationship business. And I always kind of smack myself in the forehead and say, those words are redundant. You do not need the word relationship if you have the word business. All business is relationship business. All business is social interaction, human connection, whether digitally or in person, there are ways that we can use the tools at our disposal to create deeper human connections as our priority, not creating mm -hmm. influence as our priority. Because here's mm -hmm. what I also learned. When influence is your goal, right? When, when persuasion is your goal, that's when you start to feel inauthentic. That's when manipulation might start to happen. However, if human connection is your true goal and your honest goal, that's where true influence truly, truly comes from. So that is, is what I'm excited to share with, uh, with, with your guests, the, the secrets behind how words can create that human connection. Want to know another secret? Can I give you one yes. more secret? Yes. Yeah, keep it coming. It is revenge of the words time. It is revenge of the words time. Back in the late 60s, this guy, Albert Morabian, was like, hey, you know what? 67% of your communication is this and 35% of your communication is that. And only 7% of the communication that you can deliver to another human being is via the words that you say. So I called him up and I interviewed him and he told me, people blew that out of proportion. People started doing body language workshops and started talking about nonverbal communication like it was you know, like you could watch the Spanish channel and understand 93% of what's going on, even if you don't understand Spanish, just by the body language and the nonverbal cues. So what, what, what he said was, that's not what I meant. What I meant was the emotional response, the emotional reaction. So you can watch the Spanish channel and know who's happy, who's sad, who's cheating on who, because that's what others on when I watch the Spanish channel is those Spanish soap operas. So that was an aha moment for me because now we're in this digital age. Now we're in this time where sometimes all we have is a word on a screen. Mm. Sometimes all we have is an email or a text message or something like that. And how often our, our messages misinterpreted simply because we're only using this tool that we have some of us sort of neglected. We haven't dedicated the same time and energy and effort into understanding not what we say. That's not what matters. That's when I was writing my scripts as a magician, I didn't think about what am I going to say and what's the best thing to say. Mm -hmm. The only thing that matters, and, and especially in the world of magic, what I learned is perception is reality, right? Mm -hmm. I don't really make things float, people. I don't really make things disappear. It is how we alter the perception of that event that creates that reality. And the same is true for words. The same is true for words. It's not what we say, it's what they hear. Now, here's where it gets really tricky, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry, was, I'm, I'm no, on a rant here. Like, yeah, go, go that was so freaking awesome. I just want to emphasize, it's, it's a, we talk about this in content. Stop sharing the content you want to share and start sharing the content they want to consume. It's the same thing with these words. So I want to emphasize, it is not what you say, it's what they hear. Tim, magic, keep going. 
Yeah, it's not even how you say it. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. No, it's what they hear. And while you're thinking about what you're saying and how you're going to say it, guess what? That part of the brain that does the speaking is an entirely different, biologically speaking, different part of the brain that does the listening. Mm. So very often what we say is translated differently by the listening brain. So I'll give you a quick example of this. One of my favorites in, in, the, in the video when I, uh, over at magicwordsbook.com, you'll see my, my book trailer video. And I use this example. I say, if I were to say to you, do not think of the word dog for the next 10 seconds. Don't even picture a dog, <laughs> right? It's very difficult. The speaking brain understands that I said not to think dog, but how we doing? How you doing, Bryn? How you doing, Bill? Lots of dogs. Lots of dogs, right? Very, very <laughs> impossible. <laughs> that was some, pretty good. Some, oh, that, was, that was nice. Very well done. So uh, I, I've seen lots of examples of this used intentionally in marketing and saying things like when Tony Robbins said, I am not your guru, that spoke a little bit to our brain. Like, why would he say that if he wasn't, if we were already thinking that? And it almost creates the opposite effect. Uh, I've seen uh, packages where this is not a makeup box. And that creates this curiosity. It is a box of makeup. Why are they saying it's not a makeup box? You know, do not read this sign. Do not click on this link. You know, those types of reverse, almost reverse psychology. But what it has to do with is understanding how the brain processes language, how the brain processes words, and using that to your advantage. So I'm not saying don't ever say not to do something, but just understand how the brain makes the word not magically disappear sometimes. I was on a plane once, 35,000 feet in the air, and I hear this, no joke, word for word. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I just want to let you know there is absolutely no cause for concern. Don't be nervous. <laughs> like, how do you feel when your doctor says that? How do you feel when, you, when your kid's teacher calls and says, hey, I'm just leaving a voicemail here. Um, don't, be, don't be nervous. Something happened at school today. Just would like to talk to you about it. Nothing bad. We'll talk soon. You're freaking out, right? It's just how the brain processes language. So we must, must, must understand the difference between the speaking brain and the listening brain. And that is the area, the disconnect, where we magicians, that's our playground. That's where we play. The difference between sort of the perception and the reality, the intention and the encoding and the, and the decoding of information is, is where a lot of these illusions uh, can take place. Such good, such good stuff. So as we're talking, so our audience is mainly filled with sales leaders and mm -hmm. salespeople, and they're using language a lot every day. They're, they're using written words every day in emails and in LinkedIn messages and in posts. So what are some tips you can give them for keeping this in mind, this idea of what we're saying, but really what, what the other side is hearing? You know, sometimes the, the, the takeaway here is that very, very often it is counterintuitive. And, and that's why I give that example of do not think of a dog. Intuitively, I'm telling you not to think of a dog, whereas the reality is it kind of made me think of a dog. My brain kept checking, am I thinking of a dog? Oh crap, I just thought dog again, right? And so the way the brain works, it makes that word not sometimes counterproductive to the message that you're trying to send out. Now, here's a cool thing about the word not. You can flip that and you can use that to your advantage. So it is easier for people to say no or not or negative responses 
than it is for them to say positive responses. So if you're asking them for a meeting, rather than saying, would you like to hop on a Zoom today? You might instead change that to, would you be opposed to hopping on a Zoom today? Because when they say no to that, they're saying yes to your offer. And it's easier for the brain to say no, because we're used to saying no, especially to salespeople uh, more often. And it, and it creates a, an easier sort of flow. Now, I really want to address this point, Bryn, Bill. I know there are listeners right now hearing this. Anytime I speak, anywhere I go, and I start speaking about the power of words and making changes to the words that you say, people immediately think that it is manipulative or that you are somehow programming people's brains or using some kind of hypnotic you know, mind control techniques. But here's the reality of the situation. And here's another answer to your question, Bill. It isn't so much that you're manipulating people. Rather, you are more intentionally communicating versus accidentally communicating. Mm. So when you understand the words that you say and the impact that they have on people, you can be more authentic and more genuine versus I tried that and it didn't work. I said this, but they got mad. I said this, but they said no. It's, it's the understanding of the response that they have that allows you to understand that, hey, I am now being more authentic, not less authentic. I love so, it. This is really incredible stuff, but I am going to make an assumption, which I know we're never supposed to do, but that our listeners, because I'm one of them right now as a listener, is thinking, so how do I know what works and doesn't work? How am I measuring the words that, I mean, I guess you can see this word worked, but, and this word may not have, but when I'm in conversation or I'm sending an email, you know, how do I know what words to change and what not words to leave alone? You know, there is a chapter in my uh, book flip, which is behind me, the four levels of influencing people. And there is a, there is a sort of formula, if you will, for writing an email, how to ask for something in an email. I may even have an article that's available for free. Bryn, if we can put that in the show notes, maybe yeah. maybe I can give that away just so they can have more it, of a- Email it to us, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, more of a deep dive into that. Um, I also know it's at moreinfluential.com, but I don't know which link to click. So we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll get this into people's hands. So can hands. you give us just kind of a teaser Absolutely, that? absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. The, the way is to, yes, you can have a practice of, learning what works and what doesn't work. And I absolutely positively 100% recommend having some kind of flow or outline script for any conversation that you have over and over again. So if you have a sales pipeline, if you have a, a sales channel, if you have a funnel, if you have a process, which conversations need to happen to get people to that sort of next level of the process? And how can you as best you can systematize those conversations so that you can use your own data and continue to build your own data and find out what works and what doesn't work. That's ideal. That's the ideal situation. Mm -hmm. To skip a little bit of that curve, that learning curve, that growth curve, you can obviously dive into best practices. Now for me, I interviewed neuroscientists. I took neuroscience courses. I took psychology courses. I read dozens and dozens and dozens of books. I obsessed over this stuff. And I wanted to find out what is going on in the minds of the people who are listening to my communication. So, you know, we can find best practices. We can find the, the science behind that. And the bad news is 
the science is done. We know, right? As, as a species, we know. The problem is that information hasn't quite been distributed. So mm. I, ve- I feel that's a bit of my mission and in life is to help people understand how people understand and how people communicate and how people connect. And obviously it's practical in sales, obviously it's practical in leadership settings, obviously it's practical in parenting and all areas of life where communication happens. So best find best practices, begin with some kind of outline or script that you've used in the past, take a look at it, take a fine tooth comb, put it over it and say, okay, what am I really saying here? What am I really mm-hmm. saying with these words? And, you know, start to replace some of the, the, and it's really easy to do an email because it's, yeah. you, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not spoken. It's, it's, it's written out. So, um, in, you know, I can give you certainly a few tips for email. If you'd like, we can talk about some of the magic words and how to apply them in email. Happy to talk about uh, and take this in any direction that you want to go. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have too much time, but I do want to get a few. I do want to share with you. We did kind of do this. So we did an AB test. Mm-hmm. And we sent a hundred people a link to really great content. Okay. And 19 clicked through. So we use something called a smart link. So I could see yep. who, who clicked through. You could do a bit.ly too. Then we sent a hundred people permission to send the content. Almost the same exact verbiage, but if you're interested, let me know. I'm happy to send you a link. 69 yeah. requested it and 58 clicked through. And if, if, I bet if you change the language, would you be opposed if I sent you this versus would you like me to send you this? I wonder what the results would be uh, on that as well. New tests coming up. Right. New A-B test. I love beating controls. That is like my favorite pastime is finding someone's control, the thing that works the best for them and finding ways uh, to improve that, whether it's a you know fundraising letter or uh, an email sales script or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, we can go so into let, one of the uh, one, one email yeah. tip, one yeah. like, oh, like oh. drop the mic email tip. Oh, it might be my favorite simply because it's the neuroscience nerd in me. But there is this effect and I'm going to be the reporter here, Bryn and Bill. I'm not going to I'm, I'm just the messenger of this information. It's going to make people angry. OK, but here is the truth of our brains. Did you know that people who are named Chris are more likely to prefer Coke than Pepsi simply because of the fact that it shares the first letter of their name. In fact, when Coke put out their names on a bottle campaign, sales increased for the first time in 11 years because there is a magical property of someone's name. If you are at a party and you're talking to someone and you hear your name off in the distance in the corner, suddenly you pipe up. Your brain has been listening to everything, however, it prioritizes the sound of your own name. Mm -hmm. So there are three different listening levels. Again, I interviewed another neuroscientist for this and we talk about in the book, Magic Words, but that's, it it is literally an override. The the sound of our name and how our name appears in print is an attention override. Mm -hmm. So here's where we're gonna start every email with, hi, so-and-so, and and we're gonna use their name, but it's gonna get even better because not only are the soft drink preferences influenced by our names, and this has been shown in in like 28 different countries, all thousands of people, scientists keep trying to repeat this. They keep doing it because I think this can't be true. And they do another experiment, it keeps coming back true. If your name is Larry, you're more likely to be a lawyer than a doctor. If your name is Dennis, you're more likely to become a dentist. It's like ridiculous, the effect. If your name is Georgia, you're 88% more likely to live in the state of Georgia than what relative statistics would indicate. It blows me away. Even if you weren't born there. 
even if you weren't born there, in fact, I, I mean, a story for another time, but when I was looking at places to live, I did spreadsheets. I looked at crime rates and school systems. I looked at real estate values and income tax and all of the different variables. I had a huge spreadsheet and I ended up with Tennessee and Texas. My name is Tim. My wife did the same process. She said the Carolinas, her name is Katie. She just bought an Acadia, by the way, car. And <laughs> it's crazy, but um, she said, I asked her like, why the Carolinas? It's, it's not the top of any of your charts. And she said, I don't know. It just feels like home. Mm. So, and this is before we did the research. After we did, after I did this research, I had to name my son. I'm like, oh my gosh, the pressure, <laughs> the pressure. <laughs> like, I will just name him Rich. That's all we'll do is just name Rich. Okay, so, uh, so here's what else you can do. You can say to Tom that your proposal is terrific. You can say to Frank that your proposal is fantastic. And in that email, you will commandeer their brain's attention whether they know it or not, and they will have a more favorable reaction to this. I could get into the neuroscience explanation of why this is true, but again, I'm just the messenger. Just take my word for it for now. The, the name is the most beautiful sound in any language that we've ever heard. And if you can remember and use people's names, especially in email and texting, Mike. Well, Tim, this was amazing. This was terrific. Terrific. <gasps> you did better than I did. Oh, you nailed it. <laughs> Tim, this was terrific. This was Thank so you good. very much. So <laughs> Thank <good>. you. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we're, Tim, we're coming down the end of our time. Um, so how can folks stay in touch with you, find out more about working with you? Yeah, I would say the best place is my home base, which is goodatpeople.com, goodatpeople.com, because that's what it's all about. It's not about the words. It's not about the nonverbals. It really is about the human connections uh, behind what we do. And that is our most precious resource, especially today in the age of authenticity. Oh, my gosh. Take your digital stuff and make it human, people. Make it human. Amen. Amen. You're speaking our language. So thanks Love so it. much for being with us. This was so good. For those of you that are listening, thanks so much for spending time with us. And so thanks for watching this week. And remember, as you're going in and about your day and week this week, don't forget to make your sales social. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.